0: please take your seats. Good stuff. You having a good day? Yes, good isn't it? Really good. Um, So I think either I've been asked or I asked, I can't really remember, but um, I've either been asked, okay, I asked if I could um, um, talk on the subject of... um, Training within the local church um, and and beyond a culture of training, if you like, or well, I've called it training the masses. Is what I've called it. Um, and so, after, just to be honest with you guys, I do feel somewhat out of my depth. I, I really, it's this, and I don't just say it's to sort of sound humble, but this isn't. I'm not an expert. We, we're grappling with this uh, in our home church. This is something we are grappling with, and I want to just share some observations share some things that are probably loose ends still for us, share a few stories of victory uh, and talk about some principles that, you know, we just are, are, are feeling uh, challenged by. So I just want to try and sort of, I guess draw you into something of, of our journey. Um, um, there, there are things that we've learned but there's a, there's a long way to go. So I just want to sort of get that straight at the start really so you can understand my heart in it. Um, one of the things I've been struck with recently, which um, Angela pointed out when we were on the panel, and I think it's really, really important for us to understand before we go any further, is that, uh, is that the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right? So, there's, so the mind is, 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 is deeply spiritual. It's really important that we don't um, rem- create a dichotomy between spiritual realities and the mind. That The mind is hu- a hugely spiritual part of who we are, to the extent that Paul says that we are transformed through the renewing of our mind. Now, I think a downside there is that people can, can think that if you just get the right teaching and get it in the notepad, equals transformation. Equals renewal of the mind, transformation. However, I think what, what, what is clear is that that is not the case. Um, but there is something so powerful about learning how to do what you've just learned that actually that is as much a part of the process of, of renewing the mind as what you just heard. So for example, you know, if someone says to me, um, you, know, you don't need to be afraid of people. Um, God's got your back, so live fearlessly. I could write that down. I've got the notes. My mind felt washed in some wonderful truth. Um, what I do when I leave the building impacts whether or not my mind is renewed by what I just heard. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, because if I leave the building and in in community, in church family, look to work out what that looks like, look to take steps and see God get in my back. When I do that and I find God's got my back, my mind is renewed through that action. And so transformation comes as a mixture of learning the right things and then learning how to put them into practice together in community. That's what leads to transformation. And that's the, the training thing that Angela was referring to there, is coming alongside, helping and teaching one another to do that. So as I speak about um, training the masses and the things today, I want you to have in mind it, it's about definitely about what we say, but absolutely about, in community, applying what has been said and learning together. So you've got that at the front of your mind. Okay? So I'll, I'll talk for a while, then we'll do a bit of Q&A, then I'm probably going to ask you to get into church groups for a while. So those that from your church, to do a bit of reflection. If you came by yourself, then maybe we'll create a, a, a group for those who came by themselves today, so you can <laughs> create, a create a new church, yeah. Um, see what the Lord does, yeah. But, yeah. And so you can just reflect on some things that I've said, and then, and then we'll have a bit of time to pray at the end. So does that sound okay? Good stuff. Okay, so I want to just mention again the thing I said earlier when in the, on the panel about the Great Commission. Now, what I don't want to do is, is, is say something so extreme that you know it, it, it's unwise, immature, and you make a wrong turn. I, I don't want to do that. Okay, um, but I, I remember anyone ever heard David Carr before? Quite a quite a character. Um, uh, he just made this comment once where he looks at this, he looks at Matthew 16, where Jesus says to Peter, "I give you the keys of the kingdom, and this is I will build my church." And uh, his comment was often we approach it the other way around. So we say, Lord, look, look, I'm going to build this church, Jesus. And, you know, Lord, can you do the kingdom stuff? Whereas actually Jesus said to Peter, you've got the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to build my church. Now, I don't want to create dichotomies. I know we are co-laborers with Jesus as he builds his church. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> However, um, an observation of mine is that sometimes we can be quite seduced by systems, structures, programs, to the extent whereby we get caught up with that element of church life at the expense of um, investing heavily into people. Person-to-person investment. I believe that that is how God's kingdom grows, that is how God's church matures. It's a family. And that's how families work, isn't it? It's person-to-person investment. Those who are more mature, uh, giving quality time to those who are less mature, and through that they mature. It's a very, very simple, organic picture. I know that when things get big, we have to put systems in place and processes and structures. I'm not against them. But they serve the main thing, which is person-to-person interaction, investment in the power of the Holy Spirit. And and my observation is is that um, subtly over time, the cart can begin to go before the horse, if that makes sense. And we spend a lot of our time thinking, talking, praying, planning, budgeting, around um, program structures and other things, and getting sometimes obsessively caught up with those things at the expense of the primary thing, which is person-to-person investment in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I I just wanted to say that at the start, um, uh, Bill Johnson said at at, at their European Leaders Conference in the summer, it's a wonderful quote, you know, I don't love every one of his quotes, but I love a good deal of them, and this is one of them that I do love, where he says, we're not so much after a big church, we want big people. We've actually really embraced that. Um, again, not because we don't want our church to grow. Of course we do. But I'm not going to get obsessed with it. Because I don't think we're called or commissioned to be obsessed with it. I think we're commissioned to make disciples. We want to see big people grow uh, in the power of the Spirit. And we, we actually believe that big, big people will preach the gospel. Big people will get into the harvest. Big people will win souls. Big people will disciple people. You will get a kingdom momentum which must mean church multiplication and growth. As you do it, so it's just. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to say some things. Maybe maybe I'll be a bit provocative today. If so, I'm sorry. Um, I do it even when I don't mean to. So just forgive me. It's it's not it was intentional. But you know we can talk about these things. A good culture to ha- for us to have as a movement is to be able to talk about things, and bash things out, and you know not be afraid of talking about stuff. That's a really healthy thing to be able to do. So so there's two things. When you think about training the masses, two things you've got to reckon with, first of all. The first thing you've got to reckon with is the theological truth that we are in a new covenant, and as a result, something very, very radical has happened in the people of God. So under the old covenant, there was a priesthood that mediated for and to the masses. Mediated the presence of God, sacrifices, for and to the masses under the old covenant. Under the new covenant, Jesus is the high priest and builds the masses into a priesthood. Okay, so it's so we so it's not so much now that there are a few individuals that everyone else looks to to find out what God is doing. The primary new covenant idea is that we all look to Christ, because Acts two said God says, "I will pour out my spirit on all flesh." There is a, there are implications tied up with that picture that are that are huge. The ramifications are absolutely massive when we think about training people, which we will um, we will get into in, in just a moment. The second thing to reckon with is the wider cultural context that we are in. So I'm going to I want to drill down into those two things. I, we don't have power. We don't have immediate or direct power over those two things. I do not have immediate or direct power over theological truth. I don't have immediate or direct power over my surrounding cultural context. I do have immediate and direct power over the church culture of which I'm a senior leader. Does that make sense? So there are two things we've got to reckon with. So number one, this idea that God has poured out his spirit on all of his people, that it's no longer about the specialists. It's not about the specialists under the new covenant. It's about the masses being saturated with the Holy Spirit. That is the New Covenant, New Testament emphasis. Now, here's the challenge. We love leadership. We are a movement that, um, that has said we're not, we're not going down the democratic route. We believe in God-anointed leadership. We do, and rightly so. But actually, there's a challenge, there's a tension that we've got to face there if we're going to get it right. Because I think the New Testament speaks of leadership. Absolutely it does. But I think it emphasizes spirit-saturated community. That's the emphasis. So the question is, is that the emphasis in our thinking when we think about the church? Or do we emphasize senior leadership? For example, in Acts 6, um, when they appoint the seven to be deacons, notice the process. The twelve don't pick them. The 12 say to the church, who among you is filled with the spirit? That, who do you respect? Who's godly? Put them forward. Now, some of us might start getting a bit jittery at that point, if a process like that would happen in our church, because oh, are, we, are we going back down that route? Are we going democratic? Actually, this, is, this was appropriate. This is after Pentecost. We haven't, we haven't got to scratch our heads like we do with the drawing of lots in Acts 1. What do we think about that? The spirit has come. Okay, so this is this is a, this is this model is fine. This is a good model they're doing here, but the church are putting people forward. Doesn't undermine leadership, but there's a there's a sense of respecting the spirit of God is among us as a community. And 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 what do you think? What is, is there's a, there's a community there leadership that's listening, a leadership that is interested in what the community how they perceive certain people. And I guess I'm trying to challenge here too strong an HQ culture in our church lives. That what you develop is a very, very strong central HQ culture. I'm talking about structure, I'm talking about culture, which in the end leads to a passive people that are looking to the leadership, which in the end begins looking more old covenant. What do we do now? I'm, I'm, I'm up for biblical leadership, by the way, all right? But I'm just trying to push back and say, what, what culture... Do we want here? Because according to Acts two, there's going to be dreams and visions bubbling up all over the place by the Holy Spirit. There's going to be all kinds of things on a grassroots level that are growing. And I want to ask us, are we reckoning with that? We haven't got the power to that's something God's doing. Are we reckoning with that in the decisions that we're making and how we're going about things? My reflection is I would much rather lead something that's alive that's alive than try and lead something into life. You know, I'd much rather, you know, I, I feel really happy with the idea of helping to lead a church where there's life of the Spirit, where there's dreams and visions, where God is at work, where there's initiative and ideas and people are burning with things. I would love to lead in that kind of environment. I'm not at all inspired by the idea of trying to lead something into life. Do you know what I mean? Come on! I don't think it's new covenant. So, First, the first thing is we've got to reckon with that theological truth and let that um, have its say into the way that we think about how we, how we lead things. The second thing we've got to reckon with is our wider cultural context. I want to use one, one example here just to earth it for us. Some of us live in areas where there's very, very little aspiration in the wider cultural context. So many of the people that are saved and join your church, um, they come in with a very, very low levels of aspiration. They're not thinking, what am I going to do for God? Um, they're thinking it's much, much more about survival and getting by than that. Where I am, it's the opposite, because it's a bit of the Dick Whittington syndrome. A lot of people that find themselves in our area are, are aspirational people by their very nature. Um, they want to, you know, the streets are paved with gold. They're going to make it as this, that, or the other. So they are brimming with aspiration. We have to reckon with that and work out, well, what do we, what do, we do? That has to have an impact On on how we lead. Um, So the people that tend to come to our church will tend to be saying in their hearts often, although they may not articulate it, something like this, um, I'm going to change the world starting with you. You know, it's high aspiration, high confidence, uh, world changers come and join our church. Um, Now you might go, wow, isn't that amazing? Well, yes, but it has its challenges. It has its challenges when it's not founded on Jesus. It can be Christian. It can come in Christian language, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's founded on Jesus. And so, for example, in some of our preaching, you know, I, I will try and be, be strong on the sovereignty of God, because with, with that aspiration often comes a lot of anxiety. Has it happened yet? Have I accomplished it yet? So, on that I will, um, some of this you might find offensive, I'm really sorry, but I will try to emphasise our insignificance. Because the Bible teaches we're significant and insignificant, right? Both biblical truths in different ways. But I will try and lean a bit on one. Why? Because I'm just looking to to just deal with a bit of the pride there. Just let you know it's gonna, God's going to work out his purposes with or without you. It's not being mean. I'm not squashing. I'm really, really not. There's a, I'll, the stuff I say later, on, which we have direct power over, our church culture, I'll, I'll, I'll go into. I'm just saying we've got to reckon with what, because of where I am, what have we got here? Um I'll emphasise in preaching, I'll emphasise simple trust in God. And what am I doing there? I'm subtly undermining the sovereign five-year plan. And I use the word sovereign deliberately. You know? This is going to happen. <gasps> so I'm subtly... No, we're not... Um, no, because it's often, again, it's rooted... It's not, it's not rooted in... Actually, it's not, it's, not, it's not sanctified a lot of the time. So I'm just, I'm just trying... So we've got to do a lot of um, helping people... Process their dreams and aspirations well. Um, So, often when aspirational people join our church, Um, I won't be having conversations about their gifts, talents, and destinies in the first year, probably. Just let them learn to be part of the family. Let them let us just help them to understand that that there's there's more to who they are in God than that. And then you know, and just coming alongside, encouraging, but just keeping things just normal. And then we can get into that stuff as time goes on. And God, bring, God brings about his purposes as we're faithful, right? So do you know what I mean? We, you know, we, God, God will do it. But it's just trying to help people to, 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 to process things um, in that way. And um, you may have the opposite problem. You're thinking people come in, their heads are down. You know, there's no sense of um, value. They've, they've, God speaks to everyone else except me. You've got to reckon with that. And, and, and bring in an emphasis that will counteract those strongholds, those wrong ways of thinking. It's really, really important. And in it, so in it all, it may look like we're doing things from a slightly different emphasis, but we're just reckoning with our context. Does that make sense? It's just being wise. It's just, it's just you've got to know who you're speaking to in, order to in terms of where you're going to address it. So there's two things we've got to reckon with. But the, I now want to just look at, okay, we have direct power um, to affect our church culture, um, how are people trained and equipped? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers equip the saints for the works of service. So it's the fivefold ministries. That is God's means for training and equipping his people. And so what, what I want to look at is just spend a few minutes looking at the, the, the translocal, how we help our church engage with the wider thing that we are part of, sort of a fo- focused, I guess, on apostles, prophets, and evangelists. Um, and then and then, what we'll do is we'll spend some time on how we, how we train the masses more on a local church level, past the teacher. Now, I know, I know there's overlap, but I'm just trying to, you know, sort of get it. Get it I don't know what I'm trying to do, but hopefully it'll help. Um, so we'll start with the translocal. Um, God, God, God has given us some models, some some tools that are, I mean, ID is a brilliant example. Um, you've got someone in your church they 're at that formative stage it 's wet concrete, you know that stage where it 's all wet concrete, you just create the shape you know and long as it 's god shaped he 'll you know, fill it because they 're just at a stage where of life where they, they're just it 's wet concrete going in the foundations are being laid. I, I, I just want to endorse matt i 've spent some time with matt he 's just a brilliant guy he 's such the right guy to be leading it, and I want to encourage us to be proactive to you know We will all face challenges. We faced big challenges last year trying to get someone for ID. Didn't manage it in the end. The the, the challenges beat us last year. It's looking good for this year. But let's just keep engaging with it because what what it will do is is it will expose these people to to ministries, to, to grace gifts, to people that God has graced to be gifts to his church. So it's not just, it's by being around those people, it's not just the teaching, it's by being around those people who are grace gifts, that something will happen in, the, in, their, in their lives and they will be formed in a healthy way. And so there, there's something there to just avail ourselves of. There's a structure, it's all in place, we just need to find one or two people, pray in some money, boom, yeah, there's a structure in place. The other one, obviously I'm going to talk about is lead. yeah, of course, it's Steph, but no, listen, I'm going to tell you our story on lead this year. Because it's been really... You know, sometimes you you go for something and then what happens even surprises you. What we did was this. We we, we knew there was one person we really, really wanted on lead, so we said, we're going to pay for you fully. We knew there were six people we wanted on lead, so we approached them and said, we'll pay half. And then we did a general plug at our family meeting saying, anyone can go on lead. Now, do I believe all Christians are leaders? No, I don't. No, I don't. Actually... Um but i 'm really comfortable giving a general plug for something like lead to the whole church, and as long as they 're not absolutely nuts <laughs> <laughs> or like a wolf you know or something like that, then go on it they're paid. they 're paid then go on it it 's going to do them good what 's no drama, So we ended up with fifteen on lead, right? Amazing! Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the the thing that I didn't understand would happen because for a few years now I've had a conundrum. Here's my conundrum. My church get local church. My church don't get kids. Right? There's something's not connecting. That conundrum has now it's been solved through that. Why? Because I've got 15 people. Most of whom are fairly influential who are around the wider thing. They're just tasting it now, monthly. It's not just information they're being told. They are tasting. They're, being, they're around apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, teachers. They're around these wonderful gifts, and they're picking up and understanding, they're making relationships and connections, and suddenly they are feeling in their own soul the, the reality, the power, the value of what this thing is. And I'm like... Ah, oh, I get it now. So it's been a real uh, wonderful moment for us, and we we saw it when we took up a special offering. We took up a special offering. Half of it was for something we're investing in as a church. The other half was we just said we just want to we want to bless relational mission. We just you know we really want to just you know we know there's been some financial challenges. Why don't just go for it? Made a point of just communicating clearly as we could, and we were blown away by the by the offering. It was it was way beyond anything we'd ever had before. And again, I'm just realizing they're getting it. They're understanding what this is about. This isn't about organisation, institution. This, they, they've got it now. This is about reaching the ends of the earth together. This is about being meaningfully connected to apostolic leadership. And because they're experiencing it, they're, they're, they're wanting to invest. So it's just a really, really exciting thing. And, um, you know, so next week, we're away for three days together. We've got Tom Shaw, Carl Maidman, Rob Turver, and Angela Kim. I mean, that... I'm, what? Do you know what I mean? What is that going to do to those people? That is dangerous. That's wonderfully dangerous. We want that. We want. I want people to be around those people and the grace that is on them. That is going to hugely affect our church. They're going to come back gonna me on fire. They won't be able to get their hands off people. You know, it's going to be wild. I want that. Don't you want that? That's going to change the culture of our church again. Bang! Another step. Another step. So just trying to help you understand this but it's a model it's there it's all in place and just get them the heck on there it won't do them any harm if they end up only leading their dog who cares they're more godly as they're doing a godly way i mean come on so don't be so uptight don't don't develop that don't develop that culture in the church where it's kind of like it's you you know everyone's waiting for the hand it's you surely god is stirring dreams and, and things and people to do so well let them let them at it you might think, well, I'll probably maybe in three years' time, I thought you would have been at the level where you're more ready for, lead. but I've thought that about people You think i oh, 'll blow it It'll be fine and go on it again in three years time. Do you know it 's fine it's not it 's not drama it 's all good it 's all good, so it's all good, so we embrace it um, so just to say, uh, applications open on the first of March and uh, <laughs> And close on the 1st of July. Now, please, can I implore you, if you love Cheryl. Where is Cheryl? Where is Cheryl? Cheryl, can you stand up, please? Do you love this woman? Do you care for this woman? Do you want this woman to have a nice summer? Do you? Do you care? Right. Then you get your people to jolly well sign up before the 1st of July. All right? Otherwise, that negatively affects the summer. So... Um, we'll be starting again on the August bank holiday weekend. and looking for another big influx, so, so go for it. Um, just a few comments on, on one other thing we, that we've been running for years that's been a real help translocally training the masses has been what we call E plus 5. I know that some people have not really been able to engage what is it, don't understand it. Basically, we're just really looking to gather word ministries and pump, pump them, enrich them in the word. Um, um, we, we are, this, this February, uh, sorry, last week, we were um, we 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 started doing it modular, so people can just come join in for a module. So last week we had 12 extra people for the pastoral counselling module. Two from Serbia, one from Holland. It was amazing, and people were saying things like "I feel born again again." I mean, we had great time, we were powerful enriching time together looking at pastoral counselling. And again, we're going for it modular. So um, you know, April Dan Hater, one of the most gifted teachers among us he's, he's four days on biblical theology so the big story so if there are people in your church you think i want to expose them to the big story i think they've got a, probably maybe a, a teaching gift or some gifting in the word i want them to really get a grasp of what the whole story is about get them there for four days pay for them four days leave most people get about how many days leave a year i don't know 20 they still have 16 left get them on there they won't have 16 left if on june they come for four more. And that will be John Wilthew on John. Dan Goodman, tell me about John Wilthew on John. It radically changed my life. Amazing. <laughs> Probably spontaneous uh, contribution there. We, there's something about taking yourself out of the immediate, the urgent, all the demands, and immersing yourself in a book of the Bible for four days that changes you. You are washed in the Word in a f- such a different kind of way. You come back thinking, "Oh yeah, well, you know, it just it just washes a lot of the grime off." So this is equipping stuff for you guys. You, you, you're welcome. Four days in April. You can come for four days in June. And as from September onwards, we're, we're looking at we're looking at keeping it modular. Might change the name, we don't know. But looking at keeping it modular and just just developing within our movement. Um, the right models whereby people can take three days out here and be sharpened up in this particular thing. So I just want you to be aware of that, please. So that's, that's on, the, um, that's on um, the translocal stuff. Now, maybe, maybe slightly more provocative, penetrating, I want to talk about what the culture is like in the senior leadership of your local church. Um, you, humans pick things up by osmosis. You pick, you you learn things, but you also pick things up just being around people, don't you? As Bill Hybels said, "Stupid rubs off," and uh, (laughs) and, praise the Lord, it's not just stupid that rubs off; good stuff does too. But there's something around, you know, bad company corrupts good character, um, you know, and vice versa. You know, it's there's there's a power in who we are as people. This whole thing of culture we were looking at. I want us to penetrate into what is the culture like of the senior leadership in the church because that will be the culture of the church. Sobering stuff, hey? Who you are, how you relate, how you think will be the prevailing culture of the church. So I want us to just reflect on that um, for a little while. Um, People, generally speaking, will do what you do more than they'll do what you say. So preaching, as important as it is, as I hopefully expressed earlier, is outstripped by one thing only, and that is genuine example. Genuine example. So when I did my sociology A level, and we looked at culture, we looked, we broke it down into norms, values, and beliefs. Toby's um, definition was much more brilliantly concise, but I want to just look at it in terms of norms values and beliefs and ask you some questions about your church culture you then get into church groups and you can reflect on some of these things so write some down that you think oh that would be good to talk about and you can talk about in just a moment number one norms so norms is it normal for you as leaders to listen carefully to your people or to just talk James says be quick to listen and slow to speak as leaders do you prioritize listening to your people do you take time out with individuals, maybe meet them for lunch near their workplace, to just say, how's it going? Hey, currently, where, where are you seeing the churches at? Do you, do you facilitate and encourage settings where people can speak and you can, you can listen? This is a really important thing. Really important thing. Is it normal among you? Secondly, is it normal for you to apologise when you get it wrong as leaders? Or do you just move on and hope no one notices? It can be hard. It's always embarrassing. We made a mistake on Lee Plus Five last week. We showed a video. turned out to be really insensitive. Um, had to make an outright apology the next day. It's just life. If you, if you say, I know I make mistakes, then what follows is you should say, I also apologize. It doesn't lose credibility with people. It actually builds credibility with people. Because everyone knows no one's perfect. It's just really frustrating when they pretend they are. So if you get it wrong, do you say sorry to the relevant people in the relevant way? Is that normal? Here's another one. Is it normal among you to, to, to be wanting as leaders to grow and develop or have you settled? What's normal? What's the norm? Have you kind of done your, done your pursuing and now we're kind of just easing off? Because that will become the culture of the church. Here's one. Is this normal? What's normal among your leadership that you, that you're in in your leadership style? Is it more about why don't you lot do this or is it imitate me? It's so easy as leaders, isn't it? You want the church to be a certain way. Why aren't they more bold evangelistically? And then you just take a moment to think about your own life. You think, ah, okay, right. (laughs) Maybe I know why. Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ. And essentially that's what Christian leadership is, isn't it? Essentially, you're saying, imitate me. You're not pretending to be perfect, but you're saying, actually, no, I want you to be able to, uh, m- The way I live, if you were to imitate it, you would be fruitful. That's just Christian leadership, I think. To say it's not that is false, false modesty, false humility. Is it normal? Um, is change normal? <laughs> is it, <laughs> do things ever change <laughs> because of momentum? If there's momentum in your church life, there will always be change. Because this one goes there and then that one and God speaks and that one goes there in which case so you're not changed for the sake of change but because of what God is doing change changes not people are used to it. It's never easy but people get used to it. Is a, a final one is a norm. Is, is, is authentic authentic transparency the norm as senior leaders or is or fig leaves? You're just covering your tracks making, making out that you're sorted. Do you respond to calls for prayer when someone It says, on a Sunday, come forward if you want prayer. Do you think, oh, better not, I'm an elder. What will people think? What sort of culture do you have as a church? What, What message are you giving off? That you're sorted? Or that you're just as much in need of Jesus as everyone else in the room? What are the norms? What are the norms? I'm just trying. Now, you think, what's this got to do with training? Everything. Everything to do with training. This is before you've sorted out your courses, your programs, your structures. This is about the culture. This is about who are we? It's because things are caught cool as much as they're taught. So another few, few more things. Values. What? Um, or this one's a bit. I'm probably, I might get a few rotten tomatoes at this point, but I'll just dodge behind this rather unusual lepton. Um, values. Sorry, switched guys. Uh, uh, is the, do you value gathering or sending? Now, here's the thing. Neither are wrong. Neither are wrong. But the human. The, the typical human preference is to gather for safety <laughs> safety in numbers whereas the the thrust of the new testament is sending, go and that's what apostolic ministry is about so so what how are you doing there what are you valuing that or is it just no but we want a strong church don't we all don't we all? I mean, man alive, I'd love I'd love the strongest church in the world because you feel healthy and safe and great. And even if the biggest wave in the world come would still be here. You know, you, you think, oh, okay, phew. But actually, there's kind of a bit of a false refuge in that, I think. Particularly when the Lord says go. You see in, in Acts, they, they, they stayed in Jerusalem. I think they stayed there too long. I think I think that one of the reasons why they, persecution came was to get them the heck out of Jerusalem. I don't know. It's narrative. It doesn't say. It's just a hunch. But, you know... The Lord has said, go, but wait till you're empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit came. They didn't go. They stayed in Jerusalem. I think how we can lean. It's safer, it's safer, it's safer. But, you know, you just, you've got to send people. And I think it feeds into this one, which is even more like, ouch. But I would say, anyway, is it his kingdom or your empire? In terms of, like, what, what, what you... What you what you value in? Um, here's another one, different one now. Val- value? Do you value personal interaction with people as senior leaders, or do you value what we might call pragmatic distance? <laughs> I get more done. <laughs> I understand there's always a tension we're living in. I'm not trying to create bizarre. Things. I'm just trying to push back on some stuff and say, look, if you're the, if you're, if you're, you know, spiritual mothers and fathers in the church, people will want to be around you. You might not be able to get to everyone, but if we're valuing it, you'll get to more. <laughs> if you value it, you get to more. Um, is the senior leadership perceived as an old boys club, place of closed ranks? We don't want that. You know, the grandchild has access to the granddad, the grandma. So there's, there's always access in the families. Family is access. It's about access, and there's, there are pragmatic things to consider, but access is key. It, it actually embodies the gospel when we're accessible to people. God has made, God's pretty high up, you know. <laughs> He's made himself very accessible in Christ. And then the final thing, beliefs. What do you believe? Is this a culture? What do, you believe? do you believe that this work is yours or his? Are you an owner or a steward? Um, you know, sometimes people have commended me. Oh, well done for, well done for, you know, releasing Simon and Natalie to go to Frankfurt. As if it was my decision. God spoke. How? What? <gasps> Well done, Nina. Oh, now are going too. Well done. God spoke. God spoke. God has quickened it. It's not mine. I can't say no. I don't have that authority. Together we'll pray and you know make you know we want to hear God together. Of course I'm involved, but it's that it's not mine. It's His church, isn't it? It's His church. So we've we've you know we we've got to make sure that we're clear and this is what I believe. You know, in, in Antioch, you know the Spirit of God spoke into that prayer meeting. I'm sure both Barnabas and Saul were very valued in that church, but God spoke. So okay, let's lay hands. These guys are going. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God fills gaps? <laughs> Here's one that'll test your faith. Do you believe that God fills gaps? You know, Heydrich and I we're going to leave the hugest gap. You don't. You only saw one percent of how wonderful they are this morning. There's, they are incredible people. They, I hope there will still be a Revelation church left when they've gone. <laughs> I hope. We're in God's hands. We're in God's hands. And I think you've got to, you have to live in that, otherwise you'll get stuck. You won't really embrace apostolic momentum. You'll, you'll, you'll get stuck. I believe God fills gaps. So, you know, there's going to be a very big gap, and God may fill it with an amazing individual, an amazing couple, or ten amazing people. It's up to him. But it's his responsibility, and I believe he feels them. Penultimate one. Do you believe that your reward is in heaven? Which means, here's, here's where it, here's where it here's where, you know, Paul says that all our works will be tested with fire, and the, the silver and the gold will come through, and it, it, it will be rewarded. Now, here's the thing, here's, here's the, the, the critical question around it, is... Um, there are there are things I do and I see the I see the immediate um, consequences of because it's in my it's in my world it's in my local church does that make sense but there's other things that I do that the, the consequences of for the Lord the consequences of which I will never see or I may never benefit from directly in this age but I actually feel really confident that everything I do in the name of Jesus with the gifts He's given me will be rewarded on that day. And so, because of that, I'm not panicking about. Um, how can I put it? I'm not panicking about will it be noticed? Will it be recognised? Will it be rewarded in an earthly sense? I just feel no, I know I know I can entrust to Him. You know, I can. It, it's with Him my reward, and I don't think it's wrong to be motivated by reward. I think Jesus does it a lot, motivates by reward, and I'm motivated by reward. I really am, and um, I, but it's in heaven, and therefore I'm happy to invest in things. Under his leadership, there are times you think well, there's no immediate consequence for your... Or they're just going to go. Well, okay, great. Let them go. They're going to do stuff for Jesus. That's part of my reward. Does that make sense? And the final one in the belief is this. I believe, when I look out on the church, that there is treasure here. I believe that every one of these people is gifted by God. I believe that... Every one of these people in front of me has something to give, something to bring. I believe every one of them is worth investing in. Whether, I, whether that's primarily through simply preaching or whether it's one-on-one, however God leads. But I'm, I'm, I, I, what I'm not going to do is get into that thing of simply, simply spending time with, in quotes, strategically important people. I just don't think it reflects the model Jesus gave us. He did do that, but he spent time also with the last, the lost, and the least. And as a senior leader, I want my life to look. I believe there is treasure here across the board. Across the board. And I want to invest. I'm happy to invest. I'm happy to invest in situations where people say, that's hopeless. I don't mind. If I've got faith for it, I'll invest in it. You know, I'll just finish with one, one final story. Then we can go in our church groups and maybe discuss some of this stuff. And it's that uh, I'll maybe do a little bit of QA and a in case I've been unclear on something first. But so, guy gets saved. And that... Uh, it, with us a couple of years ago. Very, 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 very broken background. And um, uh, and then, you know, wisely or not so wisely, I'm pretty free with my mobile phone number. Not defending it, I just am. Um, and he starts texting me, and he gets to a point where it's about 15 texts a day. Um, but there's grace for it. Sometimes I don't answer, sometimes I just send him a thumbs up. <laughs> You know, sometimes I think, okay, we didn't need to engage with this. But I just, you know, you just feel no. This is this is cool. This is fine. This is okay. Strategically, it's the biggest no-no in the book. All the boxes are being crossed. No, 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 no. You're trying to develop training for RM and do do and do do and stuff. Sometimes I don't even understand. I think, oh, you must be drunk. You know, I don't. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> but it's, yeah, I feel and no, I've got grace for it. And um, it's just, I just felt it was an important connection. And uh, boy, has he come through! It must have been the grace, the power of God, and my thumbs up replies. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But um, and it's probably it's meant a few, probably you know, a couple of couple of cups of coffee. Most times I arranged to meet him, I think five out of six he didn't show. But I said, oh, I had a good book with me. No drama. Just do something else. Um, but actually, what's happened is now some he's he's you can just you know you just see suddenly it bites, and it, ah, he's got traction now following christ and um and it's amazing he's you know, down the mental health route he chose to go down the no medic no meds route and that we would never have um you know fought for that we, we've you've got to do what you've got to do you know but he chose to go down that route and all the authorities have looked on because he's got a serious history this guy have looked on and they just we don't know how you're doing this and he just conscious jesus 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 and now he's through on all that now and he's been nominated for this award in camden and we're going for this dinner <laughs> he said i'm only i only take the award if i can talk about jesus So, that's fine. So, me and the other guy that have been walking with him, we're going to go for this dinner. He's going to stand up in front of I don't know how many people and receive this award and just talk all about Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. You know, but I think there's treasure here. There's treasure here, and God will give you grace for people. It doesn't add up, but. You, you You invest, and so I think that that that's a good thing okay, so any q and a any any questions if there aren't fine, but if there are, you just think, oh, did you mean that by that, or you're not clear or you just want to drill into something just for a few minutes and then we'll go into church groups and you can reflect a little bit on your own senior leadership culture and talk about just help each other in terms of areas you think you could grow Yes no. I would never have said that, Nigel. Now go on. So, you were talking about a you were about this chat that you had dealings with. Yep. And you occasionally and you arranged for a sort of coffee meetup. Yep. And did I hear you say that five out of six times he just didn't show up? Yeah. And so at no point did you think this guy just isn't worth investing in anymore. At every point I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it in public. No. Uh, yeah, I felt fed up at times. I, I felt, um, you know, there was a point. I remember one, one point. You know, I think over about a year, he changed mobile phones four times. It was just chaotic lifestyle. Just chaotic. Abs- in every way chaotic. At some point, you know, rings me. He texts me. Oh, I've been stabbed in the neck. I'm in this hospital. I mean, it's just absolutely chaotic. Just chaotic. Um, and uh, yeah all of that, but I think, well, he's got back in touch again. I didn't chase him. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. So I wasn't investing masses of energy for someone who wasn't interested, but I was available. Maybe that's the dynamic that's important there. So if he got back in touch, cool, I'm I'm all right. Yeah. But how did I feel? I'm I'm sure I felt a bit fed up, I'm sure I felt a bit self important at times. do you know how much responsibility I've got and you don't work and you've asked me to meet you here and you haven't showed up? do you know I'm responsible for training in r m you know and self important and uh and then you repent and you get your head straight and you remember you're just a, you're just a plain old christian after all and um, and then you then you then you start acting properly yeah. sorry. Self important rubbish. Anything else? Okay, cool. Um, well, if you could get into your church groups and uh, reflect on some of those things I mentioned about culture and just some that have stimulated you, some that you think I'd love to just, I'd love us to talk about that a little bit. And you can do that for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, then we'll like, gather for a bit of a praise. Does that sound okay? Great. Has anyone come by themselves that would like to sit with some people? Okay, we've got, yes, so anyone else come by themselves who want to find some friends to talk with? These are two really good quality guys that have come by themselves, so it's going to be a really strong group. Okay, so Mike and Craig, wave at each other, and you'll see each other. Yeah? You guys get together. So you might, you might need to move chairs around, take in a circle, go for it.